Section thirty nine of the Medici, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume One by G. F. Young. Chapter seventeen. Giulio, Clement the Seventh, born fourteen seventy eight, Pope fifteen twenty three to fifteen thirty four, died fifteen thirty four two the last seven years of his pontificate that florence should revolt from him and for a third time banish his family is said to have been more intolerable to clement the seventh than even the sack of rome and all his other misfortunes it was a severe blow to his long-cherished scheme to his former plans there was now added the desire for vengeance meanwhile florence was jubilant she had reasserted her independence and had good grounds for hoping to maintain it stronger as a state than rome the only thing she had to fear was the pope's gaining allies and in the condition to which clement had brought his affairs this seemed highly improbable the emperor's animosity had been thoroughly roused and he and the pope seemed now too hopelessly estranged to be ever likely to reunite francis i was florence's ally and besides this had in his contest with charles other work for his troops than to employ them on clement's behalf in the latter's private quarrel with florence henry the eighth was also florence's ally and incensed against clement for his evasive replies in the matter of his divorce genoa venice and ferrara were all allied with florence while the smaller states were nearly all at enmity with clement for one cause or another lastly he himself was a fugitive plundered of everything and in a destitute condition but the florentines notwithstanding their long knowledge of him who has been called the master of craft had not fathomed the capabilities of that fertile brain for finding a way even through such a tangled web as this clement's main difficulty was that while he could not hope to regain power over florence without the hope of one or other of the two great antagonists if he obtained the assistance of one the other would at once take the opposite side and so neutralize matters how to avoid this therefore became a problem to the solution of which he turned all his mental powers first however he had to make his peace with charles and get the emperor's spanish flemish and german bulldogs which had been so ruthlessly let loose upon him made to let go from his throat as the price of this release charles imposed upon him the most humiliating terms including the surrender of a large part of the papal territories and the payment of a heavy fine to all of which clement had to submit in february fifteen twenty seven soon after clement reached orvieto francis again declared war against charles henry sided with francis hoping thereby to secure the latter's influence with the pope in the matter of his divorce for clement now completely in the power of charles was secretly intriguing with francis and urging on this war in the hope that it would liberate him from this state of bondage with france and england the other allies against charles were venice genoa florence and ferrara florence made a fatal mistake in the side she took in this war 
before it began the emperor offered if she would side with him against francis to secure her against the pope and niccolo caponi who was golfaloniere exerted all his influence to induce his countrymen to accept this offer foreseeing that the pope would eventually contrive to patch up matters with the emperor and that whenever this occurred francis would prove a broken reed but the florentines insisted on clinging to the french alliance and three years later had bitter reason to repent their mistake as before italy was the principal battlefield a french army under de la trec advanced against charles's dominions in northern italy a second army assisted by the genoese fleet attacked his kingdom of naples and for the next year and a half war raged throughout italy in october fifteen twenty eight clement who had moved in june from orvieto to viterbo was at last able to return to rome he was horror-stricken on seeing its condition finding it ruined half burnt and the population diminished by one half meanwhile matters were going against the french they lost the valuable alliance of genoa a few months afterwards the whole french army in southern italy had to capitulate and lastly their army in northern italy suffered a severe defeat from antonio de leva exhausted by so many reverses francis was inclined to make peace and to this end discussions regarding a treaty between the two antagonists went on for months at cambrai between louise of savoy on the part of francis and margaret of austria on the part of charles the above position of affairs caused clement to consider that the time was ripe for carrying out a great scheme the details of which he had been elaborating for many months seldom surely has such vast machinery been set in motion to attain such a petty object europe was now to see the politics of france england spain germany and italy all manipulated in order that clement might compass his aim of regaining power over florence and exalting a scion of his family to be despot over it accordingly in june fifteen twenty nine while the endless discussions between louise and margaret were still continuing at cambrai clement proceeded to spain where charles then was and laid before him certain proposals for their combined action the result of this was a secret compact concluded between charles and himself at barcelona towards the end of june which soon had important results to all the countries then at war though the arrangements made between charles and clement in this dubious plot were not allowed to transpire for some little time but became apparent by degrees in the terms of the treaty of cambrai and in charles's proceedings in italy a few months later this compact was followed in august fifteen twenty nine by the conclusion of the treaty of cambrai between francis and charles in which francis agreed to abandon his allies england venice ferrara and florence to pay a ransom for his sons to withdraw his troops from all charles's territories and to renounce all interference in the future with affairs in italy the last item was the principal one and was that which clement had employed all his art to secure simultaneously with this treaty between francis and charles clement gave henry some encouragement in the matter of his divorce and the latter anxious to obtain this offered no remonstrance against the abandonment of the other allies by francis and himself followed the same course 
this left of the original allies against charles only venice ferrara and florence deserted by the rest the above treaty combined with the thraldom in which he held the pope made charles complete master of italy he now proceeded for the first time to that country where his armies had been fighting for nearly eight years almost uninterruptedly to settle its affairs and to carry out the remaining provisions of the secret compact which had been made between himself and clement reaching genoa at the end of august he proceeded to milan where he reinstated francesco sforza as duke and dictated terms of peace to venice and ferrara in accordance with the secret compact at barcelona charles treated venice and ferrara leniently and only required from them the restitution to the pope of the territories they had seized from him in fifteen twenty seven this left florence alone bereft of all her allies genoa france england venice and ferrara had one by one been separated from her nor was florence given any opportunity of making her peace with the emperor in the same way as venice and ferrara had done for this would have prevented that destruction of her republic which was the object of all these manoeuvres on clement's part moreover another item in the barcelona compact now transpired for as the price of his submission on all other points clement had stipulated that the imperial army should be lent to him to enable him to crush florence to which charles had agreed on clement's pointing out that the eventual result would be to the emperor's own advantage since instead of a turbulent republic there would be substituted a ruler who would be a vassal of the emperor thus had clement in a course of two years intricate diplomacy gradually got the bundle of sticks separated and also obtained the assistance against florence of charles's army for which clement agreed to pay while francis under the terms of the treaty of cambrai was debarred from interfering the sum total was a triumph of that kind of diplomacy in which clement delighted and in which he excelled accordingly in the end of september fifteen twenty nine the imperial army was ordered to march upon florence and in december while the siege of florence was proceeding clement and charles met again this time at bologna to perfect these arrangements to add certain other clauses to the contract between them and for charles to be crowned by clement with the imperial crown this coronation took place on the twenty fourth february fifteen thirty and in april clement returned to rome having in the further clauses to their compact added at bologna set on foot arrangements concerning a private and domestic scheme which he was elaborating as regards his own family he had by this time determined to supplant ippolito by alessandro and to give the rule of florence whenever that state should be subdued to the latter but he kept this carefully concealed from all except the emperor until the time should come and until he should find means to dispose of ippolito in some manner which should prevent him from interfering with this plan the terms of the secret compact to which clement had induced charles to agree at barcelona and which was thus finally completed between them at bologna were such as fully showed clement's unscrupulous character while in them 
we see that scheme at last taking shape upon which he had been for so many years bent as regards florence and which two years before had seemed as though it would have to be abandoned the principal terms were one that on florence being isolated from her allies by the arrangements settled upon as regarded france england venice and ferrara the imperial army should be lent to clement with which to attack and subdue her two that the independence of florence should be abolished three that alessandro called by clement the son of lorenzo duke of urbino should be invested by the emperor with the rule of florence holding that state as the emperor's vassal and four that margaret a daughter of the emperor then nine years old should be married to alessandro as soon as she should be old enough but the third and fourth articles were not allowed to transpire until more than a year later clement having private reasons for keeping them secret for the present it may be imagined with what indignation the florentines heard of this resolution to extinguish their beloved republic and with what determination they prepared to fight to the death against it regarding this whole matter Renka's comment is as follows with astonishment did men behold him clement after so many indignities again connect himself with the emperor he so completely changed his policy that the very army by which the horrors of the sack of rome had been perpetrated before his eyes and himself held so long a captive he now called to his assistance and launched upon his native city nevertheless florence did not lose heart though opposed to the united power of the pope and emperor her field army was placed under francesco ferrucci other troops being enrolled to form the garrison of the city all round the walls of the city a space one mile wide was ruthlessly cleared so as to afford no cover to the enemy every tree including those of vineyards and fruit gardens being cut down and every building including even churches being demolished and notwithstanding the fact that some of these suburbs were almost like towns the venetian ambassador carlo capello writing to his government comments on the widespread ruin thus caused the many beautiful villas that had been burnt by their owners and the greatness of mind displayed by the general willingness to suffer all these losses for the sake of liberty one exception only was made viz the monastery of san salvi on account of andrea del sarto's fresco of the last supper which art-loving florence had not the heart to destroy on the fourteenth october fifteen twenty nine the imperial army commanded by the prince of orange appeared before florence and occupied all the high ground on the southern side at a distance of about a mile from the walls from near luciano on the east round to monte oliveto on the west while another equally large force occupied the country on the northern side of the city before the investment was complete florence sent an embassy to clement in rome to appeal to his mercy but they met only with a cold refusal yet the troops whom he had gathered round florence were the ferocious ruffians of many nationalities whom bourbon had commanded and clement had hired them with eighty thousand florins and the promise of the plunder of florence while we are told that even before this army left lombardy the soldier's usual oath had become 
by the glorious sack of florence there was therefore no doubt as to what was the fate in store for florence if this enemy got within her walls florence's struggle in defence of her independence was worthy of her former history she defended herself for ten months against all that the imperial army could do and at one time it looked as though she would win michelangelo laid aside his chisel and became his country's principal engineer in particular designing all the defences around san miniato the principal point of attack francesco carducci was the gonfaloniere and although he had not the ability of his predecessor niccolo caponi he was a worthy and patriotic head of the government but the chief hero of the defence is florence's noble general francesco ferrucci who well deserved the niche in florence's temple of fame which he has gained keeping the field and holding the neighbouring town of empoli he managed steadily to pour in thence supplies into florence again and again defeating the imperial detachments with his numerically inferior forces and hampering the prince of orange by the knowledge that there was an army in the field on his flank and so well did he maintain his country's cause that it became at length evident that the imperial army would never take florence so long as ferrucci remained unconquered it would have been well for florence if her forces within the city had been commanded by a man of like character but here she had made the fatal mistake of employing a foreigner malatesta balioni one of that blood-stained family who had previously ruled perugia and this caused her defeat he was a traitor from the very first and had sold the cause he was engaged to defend gino caponi states that before the siege began balioni received from the pope a written document promising him the lordship of perugia confirming any terms which he might make with the prince of orange and conveying absolution for all crimes which he might commit during the siege of florence nevertheless though the garrison was so badly commanded the imperial army failed to gain any success in the sorties and skirmishes which took place almost daily and were fought with great ferocity the florentines nearly always prevailed and in december a well-arranged sortie of three thousand men under stefano colonna was so successful that the besieging army would probably have been routed had it not been for the treachery of balioni who sounded the retreat when colonna's force was carrying all before them month after month the struggle continued and by degrees one after another of florence's subject towns were captured volterra pistoia prato lastra san miniato al tedesco and others being successively taken by the imperial army but these losses did not daunt ferrucci who harassed the enemy continually and even recaptured volterra and san miniato al tedesco at length in july fifteen thirty the prince of orange seeing that if he was ever to take florence it was imperative first to defeat ferrucci desired to attack him with the greater part of his army leaving only a weak force round the city but he feared lest in his absence the garrison should sally out and defeat the force thus left behind balioni however enabled him to effect his object and to attack ferrucci with an overwhelming force by engaging not to make any such sortie during the prince's absence 
thus assured the latter marched away with a force more than double the strength of that commanded by ferrucci and attacked him the battle between them decided the fate of florence it was fought at gavinana in the mountains above pistoia on the third august fifteen thirty after a severely contested battle the imperial army won chiefly because their brave opponents were nearly all destroyed the two commanders the prince of orange and francesco ferrucci were both killed thereupon florence surrendered on condition agreed to on clement's part that the ancient constitution should be preserved and the city ruled by the signoria but subject to the emperor as the supreme power in italy florence agreed to pay an indemnity of eighty thousand florins while the pope agreed to treat his countrymen with affection and clemency as he had always done nevertheless as soon as the city was in possession of the pope these terms were entirely ignored francesco carducci the brave head of the government during the siege niccolo de lapi fra benedetto da foiano a monk who during the siege had encouraged the citizens by his sermons and many others iriart states to the number of a thousand were put to death while many of the leading citizens were imprisoned the abolition of the republic and the installation of alessandro as duke clement thought even in the beaten condition of the florentines would be more safely carried out by successive steps so for a time he caused the government to be carried on by his representative baccio valori the signoria being allowed to continue but all power being vested in valori who lived in the palazzo della signoria surrounded by a strong body of the imperial troops after this arrangement had lasted ten months clement took the second step by sending alessandro from rome to take valori's place he arrived on the fifth july fifteen thirty one and took up his abode in the medici palace but before the final step of declaring the republic abolished and proclaiming alessandro sole master of florence could be ventured upon a fortress was necessary to contain the troops to support this despotism accordingly for the present alessandro was only called head of the republic while arrangements were made for rapidly building a strong fortress the present fortezza da basso at the centre of the northern wall of the city clement the seventh's ancestors are often accused of despotism but they had no need of a fortress now however that a despotism is in reality about to be set up a fortress to support it is felt to be a sine qua non so much so that the proclamation of that despotic rule is even delayed until the fortress is ready as soon as the latter was sufficiently completed to be occupied by the troops lent by the emperor to support alessandro's authority the third and final step was taken and on the first may fifteen thirty two alessandro summoned the members of the signoria to the medici palace and read out to them the emperor's order that the signoria was abolished the republic ended and he himself to be sole ruler of florence at the same time a similar proclamation was made from the ringhiera in front of the palazzo della signoria the name of which was henceforth changed to palazzo vecchio alessandro also caused the great bell la vaca which hung in the tower of the palazzo vecchio and had summoned so many generations of florentines to proclaim their will 
to be thrown down and broken to pieces the bell of the council says davanzati in his contemporary diary was taken from us in order that we should no more hear the sweet sound of liberty thus had clement at last effected the completion of that project which he had assiduously pursued during twenty years the further development of converting the ducal coronet into a crown was still unattained but only one step more remained to reach it the city held in subjection by foreign troops groaned in silence but rage burnt under the surface at the manner in which its conquest had been effected at the deliberate breach of the conditions under which it had surrendered and at the odious tyranny to which it now found itself subjected End of section 39